All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fucking ears? What the fucksters? What the fuckadelics? What is happening? I'm Mark Marin. This is my podcast, WTF. Thank you. Thank you for joining me. Exciting show. They're always exciting. I swear to God, I there's people ask me, you know, which one do you like the best? I don't know. Every time I come into this garage with somebody who is 90% of the time a complete stranger to me in real life, I may know their work, I may be familiar, but I don't know what's going to happen, and it's always exciting. Every time I come in here with a guest, it's like an exciting ride of some kind. But today on today's show, for instance, like Dion Cole is here, the comedian uh, and writer, who I, who I met you know, many times, but for whatever reason, didn't quite register properly. And uh, also going to do a little follow-up interview with uh, with Mr. Dweezil Zappa. There's some uh, issues at hand between uh, him, his work, his father's music, and uh, the Zappa Family Trust that is now uh, being overseen by his brother Ahmet. It's an emotional situation. It's a difficult situation. And uh, Dweezil wanted to talk a bit, so that's going to happen. And thank you for all the feedback on the Neil Young episode. I'm fucking thrilled that everybody, including hardcore Neil Young fans, uh, were so into it. I was nervous about it. Uh, I didn't quite, I don't know if I expressed how, how nervous because I tried to not diminish or overrun anybody's uh, experience with my own dumb emotional expectations. But uh, I was thrilled that the feedback was so positive and you all enjoyed that conversation because I, I sure did. I, I mean, I, I really am grateful and I'm one of the luckiest people in the world that that I have people like the amazing Neil Young come over to my house, walk through my house, look at my dirty cat box. I try to keep it clean, but sometimes they sneak a shit in there, walk past my laundry, uh, which is where the washer and dryer is, out the back door, down the shitty steps, into the barn doors of this place, this now, what I believe is a magical place, a magical space, this fucking garage, and sit down with me and 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 watch me and feel me try to uh, engage in a nice conversation. That's what happens here. So look, folks, I I want to you know preface this a little bit, you know. Dweezil Zappa, it's been pretty public. You can uh, sort of look it up in the New York Times coverage of, uh, of what's been happening with him, his music, his father's music, uh, a sort of protracted legal battle with, uh, with the family estate, the Zappa Family Trust, uh, which is uh, overseen by his brother. Um, it, you can catch up on the legalese of all that, but I had a sort of an emotional talk here with, with, uh, with Dweezil. And the latest development uh, in this this horrible situation that's pitting family against family, brothers against brothers, uh, the latest development is that Dweezil can't use the name Zappa Plays Zappa for his tour. He can't use Dweezil Zappa Plays Frank Zappa either. This is the new revelation. So he's changed it to Dweezil Zappa Plays Whatever the Fuck He Wants, the Cease and Desist Tour. So you can go to dweezilzappaworld.com for tour info. And this is 
Dweezil Zappa is the only Zappa offspring that is the legacy of his father's music in the truest sense of the word as a guitar virtuoso and as somebody who has spent his life mastering and continuing to try to master and put out into the world the music of Frank Zappa. He's the guy. He's the one with the talent and he's the one being being pressed. Bothers me. He's also He also hooked me up with his doc, Eat That Question, Frank Zappa in his own words, comes out tomorrow, okay? Uh, we talk a little bit about it, and I saw it. And if you can't wrap your brain around what is Frank Zappa, this is a great montage of actual interview footage that spans probably about 30 or 40 years of Frank talking to other people about Frank, about politics, about art, about music. Uh, and it's pretty, it's pretty fucking great. Frank Zappa is a real American genius. And now I'm going to talk to his son, Dweezil, an amazing guitar player. So, Dweezil, you're back. And I, and I know last time that after we uh, talked, we didn't talk about family matters, but now family matters have become public. And uh, I, I don't have some sort of perverse fascination. I feel like there's some sort of tremendous injustice being done here. Uh, you know, here's the deal. I mean, uh, there's no reason for for me to be talking about this stuff in public other than the fact that we're getting nowhere in private yeah. with, with lawyers and all this kind of stuff. And then it became public with the public letter that, that Amit wrote. After know? the New York Times article that basically... Uh, like what are some of the uh, the issues? All right, so let's let's sort of set this up so anyone who's listening can because it's complicated. Kind of yeah, it is. Your so, mom passed away. Well, let's go back. Yeah. Uh, even before that. All right. I, I started a decade ago playing uh, my father's music because I'm a huge fan of the music and I wanted his music to be heard by new generations. Yeah. Uh, also, the core fans that have you know uh, been excited about it and supported it all these years. So. I, I was working under the name Zappa Play Zappa. Right. Now, Zappa Play Zappa got trademarked by Gail Zappa, who owns the family, uh, Zappa Family Trust. You Your know. mother. Yes, my mother. Uh, so she apparently did this under the pretense that anyone with the last name Zappa could, if they wanted to, go out on tour and be Zappa Play Zappa. Right. Now, as the, long as they paid her. Well, there's that. We can yeah. get to that. But yeah. the, but the the whole thing about that is nobody else in my family really plays an instrument or could perform a complete show right. in any way under that moniker. So, right. you know, that that aside, there was a a, a contract that was created by my mother that required me to pay a thousand dollars a show every time i played uh the music right. of frank zappa and right. i was supposed to at a certain point get some of that money rebated back to me uh i don't know why the contract was written that way but she i think tried to write it that way in in the the sense that if she was going to try to charge anybody else thousands of dollars to play the music uh she should show that She's charging her own son. Exactly. And so at the same time, there was a merch, uh, you know, T-shirt merch agreement yeah. where 
she took the lion's share, 60%, and I was to get 40%. Of your shirts? Of Zappa of plays a, Zappa? Any any shirts that were being sold at the... But at even the, if they weren't like Frank shirts, if they were like your, like Dweezil shirts, she'd get a piece of that because of the name. Exactly. She she was just taking the lion's share. Did of, you get along with your mother? Uh, well, you can see that it was difficult to get along <laughs> with her. I mean, she was... I mean, it's like the the word solipsism is uh, you uh-huh. know something that comes to mind because she she lived in this world where it just seemed to be everything about her and only her thoughts and the way that she um, she just didn't seem to care about what anybody else thought about things. But it, but after Frank passed. You know, the, the way she handled the estate, which I imagine went all directly to her. Well, it gets even more complicated, but well, let's get into that part in one second. So we'll, we'll finish okay. off the, 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 con- the, yeah. the, the contract part of it was um, for 10 years, she didn't uphold her end of this contract. And so at a certain point, when I was paying this money, I was getting nothing rebated and I wasn't getting my share of the merch at you all. You paid the money to your to the estate? Yeah. Okay. That was your responsibility. Right. And she would have taken you to court if you didn't. Right. And the whole thing is, after 10 years, people say, well, then why didn't you take her to court? Uh, who wants to take their own mother to court? Right. You know, <laughs> it's, it's just not something that I, I really wanted to do, but... Uh, I certainly was on her case uh, every year about, hey, you haven't accounted to me ever for the merch, and this really isn't okay. This this is an injustice, as you said. I've given them an option of how they can make things right, which would be to uh, give me all the guitars that Gail has repossessed. You know, I was given Frank's guitars, and then she repossessed them. How, legally, she repossessed them? According to her. I just don't, after a certain point... You know, how does, and this is a psychological issue, an emotional issue, you know, where does she feel in, what, how are you just an extension of, of your father's brand and how did she feel entitled to d- deny you a livelihood when you're out there doing the work? In her mind, she wasn't probably doing any of that. In her mind, she thought she was protecting Frank and the brand and all of this stuff. But uh, if you just really look at what she was doing on a grand scale, across the board uh she ran it into the ground yeah well she sold the publishing to all the music and then tried to get them back well she didn't sell the publishing what happened is you know we have so many avenues to explore uh you know the 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 madness behind the zappa family trust but if if you are the type of individual who has some free time and wants to learn about some of this stuff one thing you could do is you could go to courtlisten.com, yeah. which has the Ryko Disc uh, versus uh, the Zappa Family Trust legal. It has all the information about the judgment and what happened in the case. Now, here's the thing. I just went there myself and I was horrified to find out the information that was on there. I mean, it's it it's sad and, and, and it makes me so upset and angry to, to see... She had told us, my mother, Gail, had told the family and so many others that uh, that Frank had, uh, I'm getting uh, upset about this, but she, she had told us all that Frank had withheld the digital rights, uh, meaning that when Ryko Disc was to distribute his catalog, that 
he withheld any kind of rights for downloading or whatever the new digital thing. Because at the time, uh, iTunes and all that stuff wasn't in business yet. Right. So she said, yes, you know, Frank had the foresight to do this and um, they can't put this up on iTunes. So, of course, when Ryko Disc put it up on iTunes, there was this big lawsuit and um, it lasted for almost 20 years. Uh, and so the thing was, if you go to courtlisten.com, you can see the judgment and you can see the language in the the contract. And it is so in- incredibly specific that it 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 was clear that the that Rikodisc did have the digital rights the entire time. And here's the thing, Frank actually had a will and it had a very different outcome in terms of who was to do what. Uh but that will was uh according to our our mother uh here's the thing when frank died we didn't really know anything about uh what the procedure is nobody came to us and said okay here's uh here's what you need to know about probate here's what you need to know about this that or the other none of that was told to us because we were told there was no will yeah by your mother yes but she hid this thing and it was sitting there for 20 plus years only to be discovered recently it was discovered yes and 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 so, it, it well, had a very different set of of guidelines for how the ZFT was to go. But see, uh, the the thing about that, I'm not I'm not here talking about. Oh, you know, I uh, I didn't get justice on on the will or anything like that. It's you know, it's frustrating to learn these things that uh, you go through your life and you you're told information by your mother. And you expect it to be accurate information, only to find that it's just not. And I mean, there's so many other avenues where this this took place. Like, we were told for years that um, Frank didn't want to have anything to do with his own family, like his brothers and sister and and, yeah. uh, and all that stuff. So there was no connection for us with that side of the family at all. Yeah. I recently met Frank's brother, Bobby, after not seeing him for 35 years. Yeah. And he told me a very different story about how he could never get in touch with Frank, you know, because Frank didn't really ever answer the phone. Gail, Gail answered the phone. Right. So he, even when Frank was really ill the week before he died, Bobby came to Los Angeles and he, and he wasn't able to, to come and see him. And it's just upsetting to me because I didn't know any of this stuff. I mean, had I known... You know, I I would have said something. I would have done something. But, yeah, yeah. But uh, you know, the the thing about it is, the stories I've heard from him are, you know, it's it's great to actually see him and and see, it's like because he's close in age to Frank and he's related to Frank. It's like almost sitting with Frank now. Yeah, you know, you can see him and and. And it's just upsetting that he didn't get to be in touch with him, and you know. God, so, uh, but he wrote a great book, which I read, uh, called "Growing Up Zappa," and it, it's got pictures of him and um, and Frank, and and I, you know, it was. Did your mom try to stop that book? I don't think she had the chance. <laughs> it was cathartic for me to to you know read some of that stuff, but it was nice to to you know reconnect with him, and and it's just uh, you know. So, but where do you put this? Like, when you contextualize this whole thing, are you are you able? 
what do you just see your gail is mentally ill you know i mean i try to look at it as uh i grew up uh with really a great childhood i was i, I was uh, not <laughs> uh exposed to any kind of uh stuff that was had conflict or any of this kind of uh behavior that i'm now experiencing uh, it was only after Frank passed away that things started to uh, disintegrate within my relationship with my mom, but also within the, the family itself. Uh, but, you know, it, it's it's interesting because some people have written some things that I, I didn't really know anything about, but I, I've seen it, especially from people in Italy, which is uh, particularly interesting. <laughs> they... They liken the behavior that they have seen in this and what they have gathered from the information about what Gail has done over the years, what my mother has done over the years. Uh, and they, they say, oh, it's just like the Medea complex. I don't know if you know the Medea complex. I don't know what specifically, it's, no. Uh, it's Greek mythology. It's uh, a character who was scorned by her husband. And because of this deep seated deep-rooted pain and suffering that she experienced she decided to kill their children as a way to get back to the right the person who scorned her so it's all out of spite against frank well because there's you know when i read that and i think well you know some of that just feels like uh maybe there's a parallel in, in sure. some way because th there was times where uh for example you know, I would be asking her, I said, we need to get some tour dates up on the Zappa.com site. And it's been weeks and weeks and weeks. And we've been asking, can we just get these tour dates up there? And and she just would change the subject and say to me, I'm not just some some groupie your father fucked, you know. Right. And, and I'd be like, uh, wh what does that have to do with the tour dates? You know? <laughs> right. <laughs> so... Yeah, so she had all this fucking like resentment and hate. Yeah, I just uh, you know at times like that I was really confused uh, because I'm like, w what is the, what is the reason behind the delays and and the, and all of the, the the obstacles that are created for for things. It's not just things that were happening for me. It was she blocked anybody that really had any interest in Frank's music so frequently. I mean. It, it, there were there's so many people in the world that like Frank's music that would like to play it and she just wouldn't allow it. So for me, I would have done it differently. <laughs> so w what is it what what kind of outcome can we hope to get from this? At the end of the day, people who like Frank's music are probably concerned, well what does this have as an effect on on us uh, how will it f affect the music that comes out what we get to hear what we get to see all that stuff and i don't know what the answer is to that i i just know that um uh there are several things that are going on that uh, that are not consistent in the way that frank would have done things as far as integrity goes well it's so it's so tragic in so many ways medea complex aside that you know you got this artist who is your father who spent an entire lifetime maintaining integrity living his own sort of personal universe and life you know with with full commitment full creative uh genius and and now like the whole thing has become 
you know, fragmented and 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 sullied. Well, you know, in in a way, the music will, uh, in my opinion, will never be sullied because it stands on of its course, own and yeah. it does it does what it uh, set out to do. Um, but the the other stuff can confuse people or turn people off if they're like, oh, I don't want to hear about this because a lot of people have this idea that, oh, this is trust fund kids that are you know, golden spoon. Uh, do they? Uh, yeah, I think they do. Uh, but there is no trust. There is like, there's something called the Zappa family trust, but there's no money in it. And, uh, but I think most people look at you as a, a brilliant guitar player that, you know, has done great work in your own career. And I don't, I don't really know how, you know, what the public profile, like certainly moon is remembered and, and also does her creative work. Mm -hmm. But, um, yeah, I, I, I don't, I didn't, I didn't really sort of, that didn't that characterization did never struck me i've seen it before with with comments from from people that uh they just think oh it's you know it's rich kids fighting who gives a shit let me have the music you know and uh it's not so easy it turns out well yeah but <laughs> yeah that that and you know uh look i i work hard to do what i do my wife is a flight attendant we keep that you know she keeps her job so we have health insurance you know right. this is uh, you know, I'm not I'm not running a, a lucrative operation here. That is <laughs> no, you're like, not getting any of your merch money. <laughs> yeah, I mean, my mom made more money sitting at home than I did going all over the world playing the music. And it's one thing to travel and do all that stuff, but it's uh, I I have all of the expenses of travel, uh, airfare, buses, band salary, all that stuff. I'm paying all those expenses and getting nothing from the merch. Right. You know, the trust so, doesn't cover any of that. stuff. No, never has. So, w what would you like to happen? Well, basically, what what is going on is, uh, you know, I I have a way to to move forward and and continue playing the music that my father wrote that I love and uh, I want other people to know about. Um, and I simply just had to change the name from Zappa Play Zappa. So I will be going on tour and and playing that music and uh, and hopefully the name change doesn't affect people's interest level um and hopefully all of this you know stuff that's in the media doesn't change people's uh, desire to to want to hear this music and and support what uh what frank created but i mean that that's really all that uh that i can do is i just change the name and keep doing what i do uh but the the funny part of it is that because they don't own this name of this tour. They can't make any demands on the merch. So they don't get to sell any merch. Right. You know? Yeah. So, so it's kind of like cutting off their nose despite their face uh, with the way that they handled the whole thing. Because I could have gone on playing as Zappa Play Zappa. We could have made an appropriate merch deal. And it could have just been fine. Yeah. But uh, it's just not working that way now i've changed the name and i'm going You're your on own guy <laughs> yeah and how many guitars are there well uh it's hard to know because some of them disappeared over the last few years i know of two that that uh that used to be there that aren't there uh there was a stratocaster that um had a gold floyd rose tremolo system on it and it had the parametric eq stuff that frank was using for several years in his guitars and that guitar went missing um 
a couple of years ago, uh, and also a, a Telecaster that was a butterscotch colored one that he had custom made from Performance Guitar, and that went missing. And I told Gail about those. You know, like, those don't exist. They're like, where are they? You know, someone's and got them. Somebody has them. I don't know. You know, Gail was allowing people to record yeah. in the studio and use Frank's guitars. Um, and someone on, just walk with them. Probably. God damn. Um, but someone knows where those are. But other than that, there's probably about mm, twelve or thirteen. But it, it, on the subject of the guitars, you know, everybody when Frank passed, everybody was given uh, some items. I was given the guitars, and then about four or five years later, Gail, uh, uh, my mom, <laughs> decided that. Uh, um, they were hers again because they were being stored at the house uh, in the studio where she was living. She just said they're mine, you know. Yeah. Uh, upon her death, she decided to give three of them of her choice back to me, but without the cases. But why that caveat? I don't know. And I even asked Amon, I said, well, at least with these guitars, you know, surely you could uh, throw in the cases because... It's just silly. You know, the cases are not anywhere near as valuable as the guitars. What is the point of not having a case? And and uh, it was still like, nope, this is how Gail wants it. Uh, oh, my God. And wasn't there sort of like, you better come over and get them now? Well, yeah. And I, I haven't actually taken possession of those guitars yet because I, I haven't had, I've been touring and, and all this stuff. I haven't had a chance to go up there. Do you not? Is it too emotional too? I mean, it's got to be fucking heavy to go back up there. Well, I don't even think they're at the house anymore. I think they've been moved to a new location. But, uh, but just to see the house, yeah. Don't you? Don't you want to go up there before it goes? No, you know. I mean, the thing is, uh, uh, we we were told, hey, put a tag on anything that you're interested in, you know. And I just decided because of this mess i was like you know i'll i'll just keep the good memories that i have i'm not gonna uh you know worry about just random things that are in the house although i would like uh, the note that frank wrote to me that gail kept you know frank you know my dad wrote a note he wrote them to everybody um but she kept mine and i don't know where it is i never got to to have this uh, on his deathbed, you mean? Yeah. And you never saw it? I saw it uh, once, but uh, she just kept it. What did it say? It just basically said, I love you. <laughs> but I, I didn't get it back. I'm sorry, buddy. I'm sorry you're going through this shit. It's, I really am. It's messed up. It is. Um. Well... I hope I hope you get some closure on this stuff, and I hope it doesn't fuck your you know your heart up for the rest of your life. I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's it's none of it has to happen the way that it's happening, and and at the end of the day, it's like you know, it's about music. I mean, you know, Frank made great music. He was an incredible person, and yeah. and why does this stuff have to happen over? Money. just dumb stuff you know yeah i mean i don't get it uh and i certainly don't want to be <sighs> continuing down a path that that alienates people 
against Frank's music or against the family or anything like that. Well, I mean, I do believe that with your passion and your respect and your, you know, you know, loyalty to to the legacy of the music itself, that you know, this will be a time where I think people will will come out more to understand, you know, because it's such a specific thing, Frank. And 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 it's a it's a universe that, you know, people can enter and spend their life in. And and I think that that that, that they should know that. That it's always been a very specific thing for very special people. Yeah. And I and I think that, you know, what you're doing is is what you were, you know, destined and supposed to do. And I'm just happy that you, you still have found a way to have the freedom to do that. Well, I appreciate it. And I appreciate the people that support the music and, and uh, what we do. But, uh, you know, there's definitely going to continue to be things out there for them to enjoy, including that film, Eat That Question, which you definitely should see it. It, it really is... It's kind of like we talked before about gateway records and things yeah. in Frank's career. This is a gateway film you, into Frank. Yeah, you. There's some really cool rare footage that hasn't been seen of shows, uh, performances in the early, early days. You oh, know, great. where you see him when he's like 27 years old. You know, doing and, way out there shit. Yeah, there's some definitely crazy stuff. You know, he tells a story about um, being in Berlin and having um, parts of the audience that were as he called them fascists who were they asked him to be part of something where he was asked to help burn something down and he refused so they started creating a problem at the show and frank discusses how he just turned the volume up and created these waves of terrifying cluster chords that would <laughs> drive the audience back uh and but the audience that came to the show thought oh this is just what we what frank zappa does you know so it's interesting to hear him talk about it and they have some footage that's not specifically from that uh, exact thing that he describes but it's cool footage nonetheless of uh the show in berlin well it's uh, great i'm excited to see it and and it and i feel you know that that the music you know will obviously and certainly transcend all this shit I know it already has, you yeah. know, and, and I, I know that uh, all of this stuff, even in my own life, it will all just be transcended. You know, I'm the kind of person that is just, uh, you know, I can't worry about the past or the future. I just stay in the moment as best as possible. So, you know, I'm just going to learn some songs, go on tour, you know, have, <laughs> have a great time uh, living in that music while I'm on stage and uh and uh, I hope that people will come and enjoy it. And when's the tour start? Uh, first show is July 1st. Where? Uh, Taos, New Mexico. Really? <laughs> yeah. Is it a festival? Uh, no, I think this one's just our own show. But then we do play a show with um, Umphreys McGee at Red Rocks in Colorado. Uh, and where can people find the dates and stuff? DweezelZappaWorld.com. I just, I, I, my hope for you is that somehow or another, you, you process it, you know, emotionally, you know, and, 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 and get past it. I, to me, I, I'm already there, you know, okay. I just, I, I play the music and I spend time with my, my family, my wife, my kids. I still, you know, I hang out with Moon and Matilda and, and all that stuff is great. You know, uh, Good. all, all those things I can't complain about, um, I, this other stuff is a nuisance, yeah. uh, but it's just, it's also just really dumb and expensive to deal with. Absolutely. Just go get those three guitars. 
I would love to do that. I'd love to get the rest of them too, you know? Well, I hope that works out. Thanks very much. Good talking to you. That was hard, man. That was hard for me, but it felt good. It felt cathartic for both of us. You know, it's weird when, you, you know, I, I, I wonder sometimes why I get so connected and so attached to some narratives. And, you know, obviously my own relationship with my father is difficult and different, clearly, but but father stuff, whew, gets me right in the kishkis. Huh? How about a little Yiddish for you? How about a little of that? Go to dweezelworld.com for tour info and check out that new documentary, Eat That Question, Frank Zappa in his own words. Also, I I need to tell you um, that we reached out uh, to uh, to Ahmet Zappa and asked him if he wanted to offer a response, and I got this from his publicist. Hi, Mark. As publicist for the Zappa Family Trust, we appreciate you reaching out to Ahmet about comments for your podcast with Dweezel Ahmet doesn't have any comments to make at this time. Best, Mitch and Marcy. So now, moving on to the next guest, Dion Cole. I got to tell you, I had a great conversation here. I finished this conversation. I had a great time. I had fun. I got. I had some laughter. We had. We were two comics talking together, and I had a cop to the fact that look, I had met him several times. He used to write over a Conan. Um, now he's on TV a lot, and we talk about uh, his role on uh, on Blackish, uh, and and I just never registered him. And then one night I saw him at the comedy store. I brought him up, asked the sound guy who's next, and he said Dion Cole, and I was like who? And then I brought up Dion Cole, and I'm like, oh fuck, I know him. And it was one of those things, and uh, he, he did an amazing set, and uh, and it was great that we connected. It, it was just one of those fun comic conversations and uh dion special cold-blooded seminar airs this saturday june 25th at midnight and soon after on the comedy central app okay so that's on comedy central and then you'll get it on the app if you want to but enjoy me and dion cole enjoying each other's company dion cole Yes, you know I. You know I. I think I owe you an apology. <laughs> you owe me an apology. <laughs> <laughs> well, I feel like a lot of times, like I don't feel like I quite register you. <laughs> <laughs> what? Why? Why not, man? No, I mean, like you know, I've been doing Conan for years, and mm-hmm. I know you're a writer over there, and I, and I, and it's like I've been doing that show since the mid '90s, so I'd yeah. see the writers come and go, and then yeah. by the time that like I wasn't on, he didn't have me on the Tonight Show, but by the time mm-hmm. I got over there to TBS, you know, you were around, and you were the, one of the writers, and I didn't really put it together that you were stand up, and then I re- realized you were stand up, and then one night at the comedy store. I know you who you are, and I fucked up your intro. Like I'm like, who the fuck is it? Because they were like, I'm like, who's next in the main room? They're like Dion Cole, and I'm like, who? Dion, what? And I like, I just fucked up the intro, and then you got out there, and I'm like, I know that guy. What kind of fucking asshole? Do you remember that? Yeah, I remember it. I was like, wow. I was like, every time I see him, I introduce myself. I be like, and I said to myself, I said, I'm gonna keep doing it till you, till you know my goddamn name. I'm just gonna, I don't even care. Okay, how many times it takes? I don't know what the fuck that that is. Like, cause you know what it is, is cause I didn't know you as a comic. Yeah, and I don't see you. 
you know, where I only work at the store. So like, right. it, it, I just didn't register it. But then I like, yeah. I know you're a Conan. <laughs> and then there was also one of those things that maybe in my head, it's like, he doesn't fit in here. What's he doing here? What? It's like, this got to be some sort of- thinking that. Like, what is he doing? Yeah, like, but you know, cause I've known that, that, that crew for so long. And right, it is really right. probably, you know, one of the whitest shows on television. Yes, it is. <laughs> I, and everybody knows it. All my friends know it. We all know it. We oh, like, really? Yeah, when I, I remember when I first got over there, I was like, whoa, I'm going to be lonely as hell over here. I, I can tell. <laughs> I can tell. But, it, it, but it, like, it, I think that's, so, it, that's why there's this lack of connection. Yeah. Because like, I never really thought about it until like, you know, and then I thought, here's what I was thinking. I'm like, he must be one of those alt black guys. <laughs> So it must be one of those alternative black dudes. <laughs> What's so crazy is a lot of people think that, even black people think that, but then when they get around me, they be like, nah, this is this a real motherfucker right here. This, this is a real nigga right yeah, here. Yeah. <laughs> and then they're like, what are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing over here then? How did you get lost? Well, what what do you say to them? Nah, I just tell them, man, we just linked up. I think it, I think it was because of that that Cody was like, you know what, man? let's rock let's do something because i just was who i was and that was it it was no no bells and whistles with it well you where'd know? you where'd you meet conan man i did the i did the uh tonight show when he had the tonight show as a guest oh so they just booked you yeah, as a comic as a guest yeah as a comic and i yeah. did like four and a half minutes so my man jp uh buck book yeah buck yeah yeah book me and Next thing I know, uh, man, about three weeks later, my manager called me like, Tony wants you to write for him. I'm like, write what? You write, like, hello? Yeah. You have the right number? Like, <laughs> I was like, what they want me to write? Like, and I was like, I got to submit something? They was like, nah, they was like, just be here Monday. I was like, what? I was like, I got all these shows coming up. They like, Oh, really? That's funny. The comic yeah, is sort of like- The comic. Yeah, <laughs> No, I'm playing some shithole outside of Chicago. Like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to cancel that. That's $500. I know. Like, what are right. you talking exactly. about? Like, is this for real? Because I got about $1,200 worth of work in the next three months that I don't want to miss. <laughs> and why you pushed it? That's exactly what oh, yeah. my mom was thinking of. I don't want to get out there and then I have think... them go like, bro, oh, we made the wrong decision. Yes, and then I missed these and shows. I, yeah, yeah, and then what am I going to do? <laughs> then I'm going to do. I was like, man, that's crazy. So you were living in Chicago when that happened? Yeah, I was living in Chicago. I know, actually, you know, I was in L.A., but I, I came out to L.A. to do some voiceover work that was but you you were scheduled for voice or you yeah, just like i had an interview had gigs. i had an interview yeah dreamworks i had an interview and they were like yeah we really love your voice for animation we got some projects coming up you should move out here and i was like great where'd they find you from the conan show too no i did the showcase in aspen um at the aspen God, uh, that, the, it's not the hbo festival and it was it the, it was it was the hbo you aspen were at the last County. one i was at the last one oh. Oh, yes. no shit. Yes, and at that, that's why I met J.P. Buck and and uh, these other people that, that wanted me to do some animation, and when I moved out there, they um, 
<laughs> they didn't even open the gate for me. Really? I was out there. I was out there with like a uh, Swiss Army type of uh, tie and uh-huh. jacket. Cause that's all I could afford. Was that? And I was out there like, man, like yup, it was no call or nothing. So, so oh, you didn't even get the appointment? Nah, like no, because you didn't nothing. have any I representation. Back, like man, I don't know what it was. They just didn't mess with me, and I just was like, wow. So you moved out here. Because so DreamWorks said they want yep, you to do some I'll cartoon do some, voices, do some cartoon and that was enough voices. for you. And I'm I was like, up. I was like, man, that's good. Yeah. I'm just gonna do because I wanted to leave Chicago, but I just needed a reason. Yeah, somebody could have told me I sure. could have did commercial work. I would have been like, I'm out. I just yeah. needed that one yeah. reason. That's enough. And I don't think that was like a big uh, reason enough for me to leave. But I ended up doing it, and I left and jetted and came out, and it didn't work. And I just was like out here. Uh, but I was still going back to Chicago, but I had the five hundred dollar gigs because yeah, I didn't want nobody yeah. to know that I lived out in L.A. Because I thought if people knew I lived in L.A., they would treat me like everybody else. So right. if I look like I visit, right. then I probably get better stage time. This that and right, right. So I wouldn't let nobody live out here. So. so oh, so you didn't want them to know because they you didn't want them to think like oh you're that guy you're yeah, big yeah, shot yeah 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 yeah, yeah. you're out here now yeah. you just out so I I didn't want to look like I lived out here but yeah I had a place out here. That's weird. That bo- that was the end of the bo- the comedy, the yeah, HBO comedy. Because I was just telling Michelle mm-hmm. that the, when, when I did it, like in '95, maybe the first or the second one, because we we're talking about Chicago a little yeah. bit. There was this weird thing where, like, it, it, I I'll never forget it because, like, not unlike Conan on some level, Aspen mm-hmm. is about the whitest place in the world. The Whitest. Yeah. So, but that year in 95, they brought out, they had a black show and they brought out Bernie Mac and Cedric what? and a couple other dudes. Like, but no one knew who they were. They were just black circuit guys at that time. Wow. And it was like, what's going on? And like, you, and, like, and Bernie Mac was really the blackest guy in the world. Yeah. And just, I just remember watching Bernie Mac on stage in Aspen. None of us can fucking breathe. And it's just all that industry and all those white people. And he's up there just sweating, you know, doing it. Bernie Mac shit and people are like what's happening it was like it was one of the greatest nights of comedy ever saw in my life they didn't because it was like not oh, they, they it was they'd never seen anything Yo, like I it. I can visualize this right now. And, I know it and he crazy. was uncomfortable, you know, just being up there walking around the street. He didn't bring the right shoes, you know. <laughs> Altitude, right? It's all, all everything that, right? stacked against you, and he. And I think that's how he got uh, Ruth oh, Ann in the Bernie Mac show and all that shit. That's funny, man. It yeah, it's so white up there. I remember Kid Capri had a party up there, and no one was there. <laughs> I think it was just me, him, and a couple other people. To the point where he he was playing what he wanted to hear. It right, was, yeah. It, <laughs> Like download songs he never bought, and it wasn't even a party. It was just like us grooving, listening to music, because no one showed up. Oh my god, it was so white. No one knew who Kid Capri was. I'm not sure I do. (laughs) I was gonna play along, but I figured I'll I'll cop to it. (laughs) Kid Capri is one of the biggest DJs. Oh, DJs, yeah. yeah. Like, I'd feel bad if it was a rapper, I didn't, like, you know, a <laughs> nah, DJ, that's nah. completely out of my, nah. yeah, that's, that's one, one, one step further to, nah. like, things I don't fucking nah. know about. 
<laughs> it's like I see those, uh, sometimes I see those billboards uh, on Sunset for those people who are going to be in Vegas. Yeah, you ever yeah, see those? I'm yeah, like, are they yeah, making yeah. those guys up? And then someone told me they're DJs. I'm like, I don't fucking know. Just guys with one name. Calvin Harris. Who's Calvin Harris? Why is he at the Mirage? What's he going to be doing there? I guess people just like to dance. So, all right, like, because oh, I, you know, I've watched your stand-up, you know, and I've seen you live and stuff, and yeah, I know you're over at Conan, but it is sort of a, a little bit of a, a brain fuck, and I'm not apparently the only Ooh. one that was, like, not able to sort of place you. Yeah. But you, you know, you got chops, so where'd you grow up in Chicago? Man, Southside, Southside Chicago, that's where I started everything at, and, um, Is yeah. that, is that, uh, what's that neighborhood? I know that, like, is that- Crazy, ill, it, crazy, yeah. ill, yeah, it's like- That's Ill. where all the, uh, the murdering is? Yeah. <laughs> like Southside. They're, they're known West for that. Side. Yeah, they're it known for crazy. pizza and murder. What are we going to do tonight? I don't know. Make some pizza and try to make it home. <laughs> that's a sport. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. a sport, Chicago. Get some yeah. pizza and make it home. Yeah, that's, a, that's a, the sport they don't show on TV until after it's lost. Yeah. That guy didn't win. It's just pizza slices yeah. on the ground everywhere people who didn't make it but it is like uh like that like i don't i've grown to to like chicago like i've gone yeah. y y you know i've i've grown to appreciate it because it's a real fucking city it's great you know place. there's there's great not that place. many real cities yeah uh that have a, a real history and personality to it but it is kind of like you know los angeles Boston and uh, San Francisco, mm -hmm. which are like clearly fucking like black people are over there. Yes. And this is where the white Most people. Most segregated city in they, the U.S. Which is? Of Chicago. Is it? Yeah. It's segregated to the point where the Irish over here, the Jewish is over here, the Hispanics are over here, and then you have the blacks over here, and then you have the blacks segregated where it's like this class of blacks uh, of, of money, and then this class of blacks without money, and the same thing with the whites. You have whites that are, who don't have money, who's right. further, further up north right. than the ones who have money. And, right. And it's just, and then, then not the, then the Puerto Ricans. Oh, yeah. And then, 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 the, then, the Hispan, then the Mexicans. Well, it's, a lot of, it's crazy. A lot of how, food options, though. Well, <laughs> <laughs> oh, you can eat your ass yeah, off. Yeah, yeah. You can leave and yeah. make it there. <laughs> Pizza slices. Every, no, no. Pizza slices. <laughs> Tacos. Ukrainian food. Ukrainian food. Yeah. They no, you that. can eat your ass off in Chicago. That's some of the greatest. Well, what part did you grow up in? Man, like a hundred, <laughs> like the hundreds, 115th, 117th in Lafayette, like way deep in the hundreds. And what, what, uh, what's your, what was your family like? What did your uh, dad do? Man, my father, he was, uh, he worked for the, look at me, I think he was a, uh, <laughs> <laughs> what he told us standard black man stuff <laughs> i think no, he, he was a, <laughs> no no he he was working for the post office and then he was retired or whatever yeah so and you and your mom and him were together the whole time no 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 they wouldn't weren't together oh i really didn't hardly know my father like that i knew of actually he just he just passed like probably like about a week and a half ago yeah. oh really yeah it was crazy because i went to his funeral and this other dude, like, I didn't know him like that, but I thought I'd show up. But this right. other dude walked up to me and was like, yeah, man, you know, man, sorry for your loss of your father. And I'm just like, yeah, okay. He was like, he was a father to me too, you know. He uh, taught me how to, you know, deal with women and change tires on the car. And, yo, you know, he really dealt with me. We read the Bible together. We... 
And I'm looking at him like, really? You got my fu- childhood. <laughs> well, I'm sorry for your loss. Of your- <laughs> uh, who the fuck are you? <laughs> who the fuck are you again? And why are you taking all my moments? But yeah, Did man. You, who was that kid? I, he worked with my father. Oh. He'd been knowing him for a long time. But yeah. I didn't, That's I a weird thing, him. though. That's it's a weird, weird. thing when you, you hear these people that have these different relationships with your father. Like, I knew my father. And there are people like, he was a great guy. Nicest guy in the world. <laughs> Like, wait, who are we talking about? <laughs> That's exactly what happened. Right. And I was sitting up like, what? what? What are you talking about? It must be a different guy. Am I, I in the right funeral? <laughs> <laughs> who <are> they burying? <laughs> We're talking about Napo, right? That's <laughs> the same father as me. Yeah, yeah. It was yeah, it was crazy, man. So now nah, they, they went together and uh but you did know, you my feel- mother my mother just raised me on her own, you know, that was it. Brothers and sisters? No, no. Just you? I'm just only child. But I have a half-sister that I found out about when I was 30 that my father had. Right. And uh, <laughs> When you were 30, you met yeah, that? Yeah, I met her when I was 30. It was crazy just to see somebody that looked like you. Wow. Did you, <laughs> did you like yeah, keep in touch with her? Or yeah, nothing? yeah, yeah. We, yeah we I always wonder together. what that's like. Yeah, we was together at um, you know, the funeral. And we, what was so crazy is when he died, they were even coming to us going, okay, you all had to take care of it because we next to Ken. And I'm like, I've never even seen dude. I got it. We got to take do care it. of this. And yeah, you did, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 You I did mean, the right thing, right? The family did too. I mean, like the, his brother stepped up. And yeah, yeah. Everybody put, everybody got it together. <laughs> like, but it was the craziest. It's thing, not the yeah. time to go like fuck him. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's just cremate him. How much is that? But I was like this. Hey, wait a minute. Wait a minute. <laughs> What the fuck is going on? <laughs> but were, yeah. you, were, you, were you sad or you didn't you didn't have access to those emotions because you didn't have that much of a relationship? Yeah, with man. I was sad that we didn't I always waited on that moment where we could sit back and, you know, him him to go, yo, I see you making it. And everybody else told me that he really admired me and oh, really? admired everything I did, but he just wouldn't tell me because... He just lived with so much pride. He felt like, okay, his son is making it, but you know what? I don't want to come around now. Now it's going to look like because he's making it, I'm coming around. Oh. So they wouldn't do that. So then, he, then he got sick and he was like, okay, I need his help, but I ain't going to reach out for his help because right. it's going to look like because I'm sick. I'm, you know, and his, right. his pride kept him away from and that. And he probably, so. he probably if it, a little mixture of shame and pride. Oh, like, that, you know, yeah. I, I hung that kid out that's, to dry. That's a, that's a daily combination, Jack. Uh, I, right? never had that yeah. guilt and pride. Yeah, they're too. married. Oh, they're married. Yeah. You have both of those together. <laughs> Yeah, you pride and, and insecurity, another good couple. <laughs> That's another yeah, good yeah, couple, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, know, you know what you never hear is pride and humility. That's not... <laughs> that, they, don't, that don't, they don't go together. No, no, no. No. They're never dating, those two. <laughs> never in the same room. No, no, never. Never, never in the same room. No, humility though. sees pride and they're like, I gotta go. <laughs> that guy's never gonna show up. who brought him here? Yeah, who yeah, brought yeah. humility here? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Get out! Get out! I'm working! <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'm working that's funny man. so well then okay so he's that's yeah. just a week and a half ago huh yeah that just happened man yep so you know we uh and your mother like she didn't go right nah uh, my, my mother was like mm. <laughs> mm. that's a black woman that's, you, that annoys me so much just yeah. mm. uh-huh mm. Mm. Yeah, okay. just read into yeah, it. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Just mm. that could be like okay or about time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it can mean so much. It can mean either one of those. I, I feel a bit beginning. 
<laughs> I think we've got Dion's new I seven think minutes. We got a new seven minutes. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Bit. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay, read into that. That's funny, man. So when did you did you uh so you're just kicking around Chicago. Yeah. When did you start feeling like um What'd your mom do to take care of everything? What was her job? My mom worked several jobs. She used to work at this place called Harold's Chicken. It was this chicken shack in Chicago that's really well known. They still have them. My mother worked at Currency Exchange. She worked as many jobs as possible. But we didn't put it like this. I was the only child, and we still didn't have shit. Right. Like nothing. We used to put our food in in the snow because we didn't have a refrigerator. It was, you know, just. Really? Uh, yeah, hustle Refrigerator stories, was, man. Oh, no, oh really? Fridge, yeah, it was snow. Put our food in the snow, man. That what about it. in the summer, man? You just didn't eat refrigerated summer. items? <laughs> ice. <laughs> used to go go buy bags of ice. And really? Put it in, yeah, and put it in a bowl and then just. Put a lid on top of the big, big bowl and put our Holy food in shit. there, like lunch meat. And it used to be just basically young lunch meat and spam yeah. and stuff like that, like steak cold. But it was that bad you couldn't get a refrigerator? Yeah, yeah. We used to like live in like a house where it wasn't rented out, but they were trying to rent it out. But until they rented it out, they would let us stay there but it had no electricity or nothing but yeah so almost there. like illegal squatting with the like, like, with the permission with of the, permission. the owner yes the permission of the owner letting us squat in one of his but apartments. not give you the fucking electricity but yes but would not give us the electricity that's so sort of a it's like you're kind of a nice guy yes <laughs> you're <laughs> not a great guy <laughs> you're doing this for your sake yeah, right yeah. now I think that, yeah, yeah, he's, right. yeah, yeah, he's not doing it for us he's going eh, I'm gonna let them stay yeah. Make a few bucks, yeah. but I'm not going to take yeah, any chances nah, by nah. turning on the utilities. <laughs> <laughs> the fuck, We're man? We're not going to do that. And you grew up in that house, so no one bought that yeah, fucking yeah. house? No, no. no. We, we stayed there. We stayed there for about probably like six months, almost eight months we stayed there. And then we, my mother ended up getting another job and we moved. So to a yeah, real we place? Was, yeah. With a refrigerator? Yes. Oh, how old were you that, when you got yeah. the refrigerator? I think we was like, I think I was like probably about 12. Oh, this 12, is, this 12 exciting. Years old, 12. Right, yeah. Yep, yeah, I was you about didn't have 12. to smell the lunch meat no. anymore? <laughs> no, I didn't have to smell the lunch. <laughs> I had to smell the lunch. I ate so many sandwiches, man. I ain't gonna lie to you. Like sometimes I still eat them because I just, I love them. Making comfortable. I, I love, it's, of it's, it's poor shit that I still do. I still look on the ground for money yeah okay. who doesn't sugar do you, do you still do it i don't look but if i see something you know i'll, I'll pick it up generally even if it's a fucking penny like the, you know you gotta do it right yeah, yeah but, and that goes on forever it doesn't matter how much money you got you well you, i mean sometimes like, pick that up. what am i gonna do with that dime <laughs> <laughs> maybe someone <laughs> Maybe that's a life-changing dime. But that dime's going to stay on your mind for a little, a little bit. bit. It, it does. Like, yeah, yeah, because then you judge yourself. Like, what have I become? What kind of... It sends you through a whole thing if you don't yeah, pick yeah, that yeah. dime up. Am I really that big a man that I'm just going to leave money? Am I the big asshole where I'm going to yeah. leave this fucking dime? I've, I've experimented with throwing money away. Like, like I've had pennies, just yeah. like throw it away. And it's sort of like, I don't know if that feels right. Yeah. I'm not, you can't just throw away money like no. that. No. <laughs> but no, but like those kind of foods, like, you know, comfort food is comfort food. Like yes. what what's uh what what's the lunch meat that you like? Which it one? It was turkey. Turkey oh, bologna. Tur- oh, yeah, turkey yeah. bologna. Then it was like this cottage. 
It's called Cottage Salami. It was like oh, the yeah, cheapest. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oscar those Meyer? Little, yeah, it had with those the little, peppercorns the little peppercorns. Yeah. <laughs> This kid, <laughs> nothing wrong with that. <laughs> Is that in your writer? <laughs> I want crystal and peppercorn salami in my room. Yeah, goddamn yeah. it! And white I want bread, white bread folded, <laughs> and some of that shitty yellow mustard, French's mustard package packages. I don't want that Packets. fucking container. I want to feel like we had to take I it want... from a restaurant that we stole it from from the hot dog place. <laughs> This is, what, this is how I feel comfortable. I want all condiments in packages. <laughs> yeah. Fucking jars. I don't want none of that jar shit. All that squeezable uh, no, fuck that. No, That's no. soft. Yeah. <laughs> so so when did you like uh did you did you start doing comedy when? Did you go to what what was the, it was the like experience? 90, 92, 92. Like it looks like you've been doing it a while. <laughs> <laughs> like I was watching I got the, the stress factor going. No, on. no, I was watching. The, like it was, it was a kind of an exciting experience for me because, like, I know you write for Conan. I know you're doing the the bits. Well, see, on. I, uh, another thing too. I used to like write for him. Like now, I just do like freelance stuff while going to show. But but, but nonetheless, yes. like you know, like that's how I was introduced to you, yes. right? So so yes. like I'm like I spent like what however long it had been since I started mm-hmm. seeing you around, thinking like, who the fuck is that guy? <laughs> you know, and then. <laughs> It's not adding up. It just doesn't add up. <laughs> you know? Oh, God. Because, like, you know, I, I'm, I'm not feeling the alt-black guy from this guy. He's not saying much, but he's definitely not, like, one of them black nerds, the, the rare black nerd guy. So like that so then, is great. So so then I watch your shit. I'm like, oh, this dude's a real dude. This is like this, is like, this guy's been doing comedy a long time. This is not like I'm just starting out. Shit, it's been going on for a while. Oh snap! So but you know what I mean. Like yes. so then I'm like, you know, there must have been. There's a whole history. Of mm-hmm. of comedy that you came up in because I know the Chicago guys that are around yeah, your age yeah. and like in that and you're not like you're not part of that thing so yeah. like so when I watch the stand up I'm like oh well this guy's been at it yeah but yeah. when did you uh, when did you start thinking you could do it who was it that you well, saw well, or- well it was well it was I always I, n- I never thought that I was gonna be a comic it was the fact that I um. I was just very observant, you yeah. know, and by me being like the only child, I just was observant to things and I would question a lot of stuff because- Yeah, you know, a lot of time. Just, yeah, it was just for real. I used to see- Did you have friends? And, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, good. And, and they were the ones that kind of put it in me a little bit that, yo, you need to do stand-up because I would ask genuine questions when they would think like, yo, just leave it alone, but I would- Work it, drill it, yeah. like whatever it was to get the answer to this. Like if somebody tripped and fell in front of us, yeah, everyone would laugh. And I will be more like, why didn't they see that? Right? Did they hydrant? did they trip over yeah. a dime? Yeah. What because I'm going to go get that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> was that a dime they tripped over? <laughs> yeah, man, I will question that. All, all that's all I do. Question shit. Did you listen to comedy? Time. Did you like comedy? It was I loved comedy, but it wasn't like that was something that I was like into. Like I, I wasn't into that really. Like I just, I, I really didn't know what my purpose was. But yeah, I, I'm I still just... working on it. <laughs> you, you figure that out, yet? right? Yo, no, so I'm still, I'm still trying to figure out Asking what I'm here for. Right, right, right. <laughs> Yeah, man. So I just was like, man. So when 
when I when my friend bet me, he bet me to go on stage because he was just like, dude, how old were you? Saying some silly shit. I think I was like probably like twenty two, uh-huh. twenty two at the time, and he just bet me fifty bucks to go on stage, and I was like, all right, let's do it. And Where so, at? at uh, all jokes aside, in Chicago, it's a club called All Jokes Aside, and I went down there and. On an open mic? Yeah, and they wouldn't let me get on for the first two weeks, then the third week. Sit over there? Yes, yeah, sit over there. Yeah, yeah. with the other guys sit looking with the other all guys sweaty and waiting. Yes, waiting. Yeah. They would never let me on. And then Adele Givens, she let me go on, and she brought me on. And I, Was I, she hosting? Yeah, she was hosting. And I remember I couldn't sleep that night. I After me, you I did it or before? No, after I did it. After How'd it I go? After I did it, it went incredible i think i got like a almost like a little standing ovation like it was like a few people that stood up and clapped and that's at, that, at I, that I, let me tell I you what like, that's called a few people stood up okay that's what it was it was not a standing <laughs> ovation <laughs> to, to me then i was like oh my god what is this there's nothing but more no. sadder, sadder than the, the the partial standing o like there's four people and a hundred people they're like up they're up and then they, and then you just watch them start to feel weird about it. Like, oh, I thought there's. I thought I thought everybody else was gonna stand up. Yeah, yeah no, no. So that's what it was. The bullshit. You could, you could thank them personally. Yes, yes, yes. Very nice gesture. You could point at them individually. Yeah, 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 yeah. Thank, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank nice, you. Thank All right. Yeah, yeah. It was that kind of shit. So. Did you write jokes or did you just wing yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I oh, wrote, so I wrote down that. stories. Well, no. I, no, I didn't even know. I just wrote down stories that I've told people before that they laughed about. Right. And then I also wrote down how I felt about certain stuff. I didn't even know it was joke form. I just wrote down how I felt about certain things. Right. But you, you, you were funny enough with your friends that you knew that had some effect. Yeah, I knew that. I knew that that this was funny because I told it to yeah. several people. Like I've told this story to several people. Yeah, and yeah, they yeah. Laugh, so. Yeah, I think if I go up here, then it, it'll work. And right, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, it yeah, yeah. yeah. I just was like, okay. So that was how old were you? Twenty two. Yeah, yeah. And I, what were you doing? Were you selling, working? Were you I was in wor- working this place or? called Leather Makers, and I was selling weed at the time. Yeah, Leather yeah. Makers. Yep, and I was selling weed out of the leather shop. What was Leather Makers? What it was, kind it, of? It sold all kind of leather coats and pants oh, yeah? and jackets and vests and all of that, like a Wilson's. Oh yeah, sense. yeah. It was called Leather Makers. It was on the South Side. Yeah, it was on the South Side, and and me selling weed out of there. The the the, the smell of leather. If you have so much leather around, yeah. it kills any smell. Yeah. Around. You can smoke weed in a leather store and won't nobody smell it. Make note. <laughs> Lace your walls with leather. <laughs> the weed doesn't even matter anymore. No one gives a fuck. Nobody People smoke fuck. weed yeah. everywhere. Everywhere. But then, yeah. shit, it was great. God yeah. Damn. And the yeah, weed that. wasn't as good as it is now. Nah, yeah. nah. So that's 92? Yeah, it was 92. Like, 92. Dude, uh, it's a long time, man. Yeah, man. Just been rocking out ever since, man. And man, Did you go to college? Yeah, I went to college for like a semester, yeah. almost a year, and it's down in Arkansas. And uh, this motherfucker started shooting at me and my friend Chris. And what? I, I don't know, because we was up north. I think that's what it was. That's That was around the time. Remember this HBO special called uh, Gang Banging in Little Rock? It was about just showing all these gangs in Little Rock. Like, uh-huh. It was around that time that that movie came out, and... It was crazy in Little Rock how they was game back. What school was that? 
Philander Smith. I uh-huh. went to school called Philander Smith, and they was just game banging so tough down there that it just well, like it just caught on. Like <laughs> yeah, it was like West Coast, like it was Crips and Bloods down there, and, I, and I'm from Chicago, so we got like different gangs, like folks and vice lords, and so that was a whole different experience to me that I couldn't wear a certain color. Like, but what? So you grew up out. with the knowledge of that. I, I grew up under like uh, like folks and vice lords like yeah. that was like gangsters and uh, vice lords. I was in your that. neighborhood. Yeah, and it depend on which way you wear your hat. If you wore your hat to the left or the right, the bib of your hat. Yeah, you had to watch how that but, went. But, but, but colors I never dealt with. But as a kid. You weren't in the gang, but you still had to honor the hat code, or no? Yeah, you okay. have to. Yeah, if you came out, you better wear your hat straight as a duck bib. Goddamn it, you better <laughs> straighter than cat hair. Your shit better be straight really? on your fucking head. Even if you had nothing to do with gang, if you, you just had a neighborhood nothing kid. to do with gang. You better wear your hat straighter. Don't wear it at all. Yeah, so but I would yeah. go with the no hat option, and I did do that. Yeah. But then when I was around other people, I would wear my hat. Right, I right. Thought it was strength and numbers. Yeah. <laughs> and we still got our ass whooped. You did? <laughs> by who? Yeah. By the vice Yeah, order. by the gangs and shit. Other gangs? Yeah, yeah. They'll come over there and, you know, because this is around the time when drugs was popping off too. Like, this is like 84, 85. So you're like 10? Like, yeah, I'm 10 young. Years old? I'm yeah. young. Young as hell. And so it was... It was crazy how that that whole little gang movement was going on, but the little gang. It's worse now, though. It was it was more organized then. Now, I don't know what the fuck they. But you doing. get you get beat up, but you wouldn't get shot. Nah, it wasn't like that. Yeah, you 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 fought you were with kid. your hands and shit. Yeah, right, you was fighting with your hands. Like, wasn't nobody walking around with pistols and shit like that? At 10, 10 years old, yeah, though, no, hopefully yeah. not. And if you did fight somebody, it's because you knew you was in their area or whatever. And it made it made sense in a sense yeah. that yo, know, it was like organized crime. Right, you right. knew if you was here, then this was what's going to happen. But what if you just got to walk through? Yo, then shit, better figure God out another bless way. You. Yeah, God, God bless you. <laughs> Even as a kid, you're just yeah. like, I'm just a kid. Can yeah. I go over yep. there to that store? Yep. No, nope. nope. fuck that. Nope. <laughs> you better send your sister or somebody. <laughs> oh shit! So that's where it fucking starts. That that weird kind of um, specific territorial thing yeah. gets put in your brain that early yeah. that it's important. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. you know because you you know your your environment and right. and it's cool as long as you. In your environment, you cool, you know. But once I start like doing stand up and start traveling and all that, I start seeing other parts of the world and shit like that. That's when I was like, "Yo, this is crazy!" Like it was bigger than just me doing stand up. I started learning about other people. Well, it's a very stuff. small world that they're protecting, like that that yeah, way of life. Because it's there's a very a, small world. There's like a lot of them, and I'm talking about black people, mm. but not in a bad way. <laughs> you know what? I, <laughs> I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't say those people a lot of those people are <laughs> but i just think in that environment their choices are limited so that's what it all it's all invested in maintaining that order yeah absolutely right but when you get out you, of you're there like, you're like shit. yeah i can just walk like, over there what what yeah. the fuck like really like i can do this i can do that it's crazy it's a real mind my, fuck. And, to, and to this day it's like that and and all over the country you got Motherfuckers here that live in Compton or whatever right. that never left Compton right. because they can't leave that area or they don't have the means of right. money to travel and that's all that they know. Right. 
you know, and so once you get out, you go, wow. Then you start realizing, what am I fighting and killing for on this block in this neighborhood? The world is bigger than this neighborhood. Sure. And then yeah. you try to leave out. So, you know, hopefully somebody hear this and, what, what, yeah, and get out. Or some yeah. Shit. Yeah. Yeah. You're helping people. <laughs> I know you got gangsters <laughs> listening to your podcast. Motherfuckers with weed right now. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. True, true, <laughs> true. That motherfucking Mark is true. That's true <laughs> shit, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was the funniest thing was uh, like today I watched a clip of yours from uh, Laugh a Palooza or something. Ooh, yeah. It's an old clip, but old clip. but the funny thing about it was someone had shot the clip. You got to go watch it. He shot it. It's a guy taping it off his TV with his phone. Uh, All right, so that's the clip. It's like you know, it's a TV being watched yeah. by some other dude. Yeah. You got two laughs from that dude. <laughs> <laughs> like, like I'm just watching it. I'm, I'm trying to I'm like, why is the sound fucked up? And then I'm just watching. I'm like, I guess this song sounds so fucked up on the clip. And then like about three minutes in, I hear it like. <laughs> <laughs> That's validation, man. You it was can't great. It. it was great. It was great. Because then all of a sudden I'm like waiting for, because he's alone. You know he's alone. So if you're getting actual audible laughs from a dude sitting alone with his phone, even if it's just two. That means you're doing you're something, good. man. We should send everyone special to that dude. And just exactly. <laughs> let you know if your shit work or not. Right. Just sit back I, didn't, I didn't know it was coming the first time. And then I'm like, oh my God, it's so dope. <laughs> and then I'm waiting for him to laugh again. He did. Yeah. He laughed again. That's so funny. Like there was those great tapes of like uh, one of the great. I don't even know why I loved it so much, but when uh, when Cat Williams melted down, you know, oh, on stage, yeah, yeah, yeah. and there were people taming it with their phone, right? <laughs> yeah. So like I, I'm watching one of those, one of those phone videos, yeah, like, yeah. and you can hear it's just these black women you holding the phone, yeah, and you just hear him like, oh shit, oh shit, and then like uh, like all that shit's going on on stage. And then Suge Knight comes out, and, and all you hear is one woman goes, Is that Suge? I think that's Suge. <laughs> it's part of the show. It's part of, they're just excited it's to the see Suge. It's the best. It's really. It's, is that Suge? Yeah. Is that really Suge? <laughs> I loved oh, it. That's funny, man. So, all right, so you're doing, like, what is that club scene? Because there used to be the. There was a. A pretty important black club there for a long time. When uh, which all jokes aside, is that what it was? Because I, I talked to that. the guys yeah. who ran that. Yeah, Raymond Lambert and yeah. Mary Lindsay. They did a the, a documentary on yeah, it, right? Yeah, yeah. Were it's you called, in that? Yeah, I was in. It. It's called Funny Business. Right. I yeah. interviewed those guys. Oh yeah, absolutely, man. It was so that great. was that club. Yeah, that was that era, man. It was great because I mean, me being from Chicago, I thought it was many clubs like that, not knowing that that was the only black club like that in the country. Just to see people in uniforms and they pay you by check and yeah. all that shit. That shit was crazy. I, well, honestly, I didn't feel how other people felt where they was like, when it came to the clubs in Chicago, it was bars and stuff that paid you money out your pocket, but working the comedy club there, I thought everybody had that kind of comedy club. Right. But, but it wasn't. But that was a specifically black club. Yeah, it was specifically and black. Who, who were the acts that were were coming up with? But you, it was man? like, man, I remember we used, we used to open for like Steve Harvey, Chappelle, Carlos Mencia, yeah, uh, Cedric. It was like everybody that was anybody. DL, yeah, yeah. It was like Chris Rock. Everybody yeah. played the club. Everybody, it was a good club. whoever it was, they played that club. Yeah, it was fantastic and. You know, it was it was ran like a like a well 
all ship. It was yeah. like you do your time. If you go over your time, you get docked pay. And oh, really? Yeah, it was. It was. And no now, were you like a uh, like a like a regular like opener? Yeah. You came up through the ranks. You opened. Yeah. You featured. Yeah. You're like one of the guys, the local guys. You yep. get the call if you want to feature for somebody, and you're hoping you can feature for somebody if you see them coming. Exactly. And you're waiting for the call. Yeah, but but at the time, I didn't even like I said I was invested in comedy. I liked comedy, but I I mean I really wasn't invested in it like that. But I didn't know all these acts. Yeah. All I knew was I liked comedy, and I did, and I knew all the big name comedians. I didn't know all these other guys yeah, that right. were coming through the club. I just was meeting them as they were coming through and, and watching and, them. Yeah, and building a relationship with them and watching them and 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 learning how what to do and what not to do. You yeah, know? yeah, so, yeah. Not knowing that this was something that was unusual, yeah, and it was a job. It right. was a job, but I, but I, I didn't know that. I thought everyone had this access, yeah, yeah, to these great comics, right? You know? and right. So it was something that 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 made us, uh, you know, become who we are today, right? Yeah. No, absolutely. Just yeah. watching those dudes, Just watching these dudes. But you man. didn't come at it like you know you didn't have it like you didn't love Carlin or Pryor. No, or no. Ellen DeGeneres is one of my like icon. Like I, <laughs> I pattern myself after her. It's crazy. Ellen, George, George, Stephen Wright, George who. Carlin. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Steve. Those Rod. were the guys that, like, you're like. Yeah, those are the people that, that you listen that, to that made that, you laugh. That, that made me go. That's who I want to be like, and that's that's I like I I love that off putting type of material. I, I look at comedy like it's magic. Like if you can't see the punchline coming, like well, that's well, that's, that's interesting because that's different than like you know George Ellen and who was the other one. Uh, no, Stephen, Stephen Wright. Wright. Because like that's like what separates you in a way is that, you know, you got a very kind of like hard disposition up there and mm -hmm. your delivery is is pretty like like a like old school black comic. Yeah. But you those are all like joke writers. Yeah. You're not telling yeah. stories necessarily. You right. write jokes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and like what I took from basically Ellen DeGeneres was taking a little bit of something and blowing it out of proportion. She's a queen right, of that. Right. George was very smart with how he broke down things. Yeah. And that was something that I was like, man, I want to be able to do that. Stephen Wright was clever. Right. He was the type of cat that he would had a play on words that was like no other can do. Yeah. And so I thought if I can take all of those bits and pieces and apply them to myself as well as be a real motherfucker. Right. That I think that I might be in my own lane. Yeah. But it started happening without me even thinking about it. It yeah. started happening. And then when I realized it was happening, then I started embracing it more. But that's what it was. It was like, yeah, we can talk about some real motherfucking shit on some black shit or white yeah. shit, whatever it is. I don't have to have the, the cadence of a right. token black guy. Right. Like, I don't have to be like, I can be me. And still be on some clever shit. Right. Well, you know? I saw some of that, like, in some of the older stuff when you were using yeah. the device, you know, the list. Yeah. Like, because, like, because, like, by and large, you know, you pull that shit out. Yeah. You know, you're not really doing a character, but you're just going to try these jokes. Yeah, because I, I did it on Def Jam, but it was it was something that became a part of me by me using my notepad on stage back then. Because I used to get so high, I used to just really honestly forget my jokes. And so... 
when I seen that that was working, that people was laughing at me because using the, my notes. The beat was, you know, whether it worked or it didn't work. Were you yeah, if it, it worked, if it didn't work, were I you don't scratch it off. I and would that scratch was the joke. It off, yes. So it became a bit. So it got to the point where I would do jokes that didn't work on purpose, right? Because those got bigger laughs, right? Because of the, the reaction actual, to it, the like, actual no. written joke. So I had instilled at me to bomb on purpose because that would be funnier right than me writing and, and, out and, and, a joke. and because the device work it actually enabled you to try new jokes and it actually allowed me yeah. to try new jokes yes yeah. it was pretty clever thank you very much <laughs> did you do it on your special no no uh, i do you know what i do it i still do it from time to time i use my notepad but a lot of people a lot of people kind of do that now whatever but not 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 like i do it. no but, no the alt comics it used to be like they that was one of the reasons why the old timers would get mad at alt comics yeah, it's like yeah. they break their notebooks yeah, yeah. janine well i think really was the one that people remember doing at Garofalo. He yeah. used to just bring the pads up. But Richard Lewis does it too. He's yeah, got the yellow yeah, pads. Yeah. But um, you got the gig on Conan, what, 2010? Yeah, I got the I got the gig on Conan in 2009. Were you headlining? Were you yeah, I was, I was headlining. I was headlining. I was doing shows. Mostly black rooms? Them, mostly black rooms. But my audience was still kind of like... I, put it like this, I was never that comic that was, I never was embraced by like the black crowd right, like right, that. Right, 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 right. Because of my material, because I came up in the ranks of, you know, catchphrases and motherfuckers <laughs> had suits with 17 buttons and yeah, shit, yeah. you know. Steve Harvey used to wear suits like that, but everybody used to bite off Steve Harvey's suits, but Steve was sharp as shit in his suits. Yeah. He used to look good, but it got to a point where comedians <laughs> started using that shit as a crutch. They was like, where if he ain't funny, at least he was sharp than a motherfucker. Like, <laughs> so you saw young guys going yeah, out? like buying suits and shit. Dudes would be like gangster yeah. one day, and then yeah, all of a sudden they'd be yeah, like, be I got like, a hat. <laughs> I got a no hat. No hat. Do I wear the hat or not the hat? <laughs> nah, maybe not the hat right away. <laughs> they used to be so sharp, man, but I used to always be against that. I used to always be like, no, nah, I don't want to do that. So when I got put on black shows, yeah. it would be for diversity. Reasons. You were the you were the, uh, the, the I was diversity. The, I was the diversity as far as he's that kind up. of black guy. These other guys, we're gonna have the fancy black people, and then this guy, he's just gonna dress how he wants to. No, no I would because I wouldn't put asses in seats, but I would bring a different rhythm of yeah, comedy. Yeah, right, I still right. would be. I still would be a, a be a black motherfucker. I wouldn't right. be like no token. No, no, right, right, dude, right. But I, but the way I delivered my shit was different than the rest of the comics. So I used to get booked like that. I used to be like a comedian's comedian. Right, right, right. You know, so you're writing this like shit. You, you're, yeah. you, you had structure. You, yeah. you weren't, you weren't just charming. Yeah. You weren't just pandering. Exactly. Yeah, I yeah. was like doing that work. Yeah, no, I was sitting back writing like a motherfucker and trying to get that get my pen together yeah and yeah it all together whatever so yeah i was like the diversity that's funny <laughs> but you were headlining yeah but then like but when i did like theater shows with other people right like, you know i would do that but yeah i was headlining because i did laugh up a loser def jam comic view i did like a whole bunch of uh tv shows as far as you know doing stand-up shows and stuff so people knew me and I, yeah i had a nice following or whatever. yeah yeah but when I hit Conan, that sent me to a whole nother level. But when you walk in, that but that's a, sort of an interesting shift is that, you know, like Conan had this intuition 
about you know when he saw you do stand up he had this intuition that you were a writer like he could he could feel that and you you know the difference yeah, like yeah. you know i i jerk around on stage and like all all my shit i i i it creates itself on stage you know yeah. no one's going to listen to me and go like that's a good joke yeah you, you know like <laughs> that like i didn't see that coming or right, whatever right, right. cuz i do a different style i'm more mm. conversational more but but he must have sensed that. I mean, that's what I think. Yeah. Too, because I mean, he he always makes moves on vibes, and like he just feel like it's a vibe. Like I, I I was told a story of when he first had his show on late night. Yeah. They had him hosting and interviewing. I mean, a whole lot of people as a co-host. Right. And when he hired Andy, it wasn't even no interview. He just saw and Andy one day and they talked and had coffee and laughed and joked it up and he hired him. Yeah. So it was everybody he interviewed, he never hired them, but he hired Andy. And so that was the same thing with me, you know. He but just, when you when you get the gig, like like you had you knew like I I never work in a writer room other than my TV show. That was the first experience I had. So did he yeah. bring you in? Did you start with monologues or sketches? How did you start? I went straight sketch. Like, when I came in, man, it was like, when I got there, it was like, okay, I tried to write like everybody, and it was like straight sketch. Yeah. They gave me an office and all this, and I just sat back, and I was trying to write like everybody. Nobody gave me no blueprint. I've never <laughs> written for no show, nothing. Yeah. I was just there yeah. in the writer's room, yeah. sitting there. And they like, you'll catch on. I remember Mike Sweeney, the hair writer. He was like, I know him. Oh, yeah. Came up with him. Funny guy. Oh, yeah. Sweet guy. Sweeney. Sweet. The sweetest guy ever. One of the funniest dudes I ever met. Very funny. As a stand-up, no one could do crowd work like that. No one. And no one. To this day, no one can do crowd work like Mike Sweeney. Yeah. It's amazing. And he was like, man. He was like, you'll catch on. He was like, and if you need any help, just let me know. But you're good. And so I just sat there and I tried to write stuff. And it just wasn't nothing landing. And one day... They were writing a bit for Andy because yeah. Andy's German, and they yeah. was trying to write a bit where Andy's going to Oktoberfest. Right, and I didn't know what it was. Yeah, I was like, "What's Oktoberfest?" And they was like, "It's a drinking day for Germans." And I was like, "Everybody got a drinking day. Hispanics got Cinco de Mayo. Irish got St. Patrick's Day. Now they got that." I'm like, "Black people need a drinking day." <laughs> and right at that moment, everybody in the room looked at me and was like, "Go write that up." <laughs> And I was like this, what? And they was <laughs> sweating bullets, what? They was like, go write that up. I'm like, okay, I don't, I don't know what to do. They were just like, we'll show you. And they showed me this template, and they was like, go ahead and write down exactly what you just said. Yeah. And I was like, okay, and I wrote it down, and they was like, Conan wants you to come out. We're going to open the curtain. You're going to come out, and you're going to say exactly that. Yeah. Right on, right on TV. Yeah. And I was like, what are you talking about? And they was like, do that. I said, okay. And I did it. And it took off. Yeah. And then after that, it just one thing led to another. And the next thing I was I was talking about, um, black, there was no black haunted houses. And then I started writing a bit on that. And then it just became this thing that we were doing. Where so you became like, this personality, like this character. Yeah, I became this. Yeah. I so you're almost like doing almost. a sketch. It was, yeah, you, it was you were like, like was, a recurring sketch I was a character. recurring sketch character. Right. That's how, that, how right. it became. Right, right. And it became this thing where you got this real black dude from the south side of Chicago, like, <laughs> what are you doing here, black dude? Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> and you got the whitest guy in America, went to Harvard, grew right. up in Boston, coming together trying to understand whatever the situation right. was and just bouncing off of each <laughs> other. And it just became... 
It, that was it. it. Took off. It was man. It People took, loved it. It took off. Yeah, and that was it. And just next thing I know, I had two Emmy nominations, and a Writers Guild, <laughs> three Night Writers Guild <laughs> nominations. <laughs> like, what? Yeah. And I was ready to quit. Were you? <laughs> because I didn't understand the magnitude of that. I was I was still thinking stand-up. Oh, so you're like, and now, like, what am I doing? When I first got there, yeah, because like, I'm like, man, if, if I don't work and I quit all these, yeah, I, I yeah. let all these. Because that's our whole identity. That's hard. That's hard. That, right. Thank you so much. My identity was, hey, I'm a I have these shows. Yeah. I'm a stand-up. That's what this is. Yeah. So I didn't understand what was going on at the time. Yeah. But then when I did, I was like, oh, my God, how could I have even thought that way? Well, but because most of us don't do that. Like, I didn't yeah. know for years. Like, I knew guys would go right, and I'd be like, the fuck? You, you mean you gave up? Mm-hmm. You know, you, yeah. you, 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 you couldn't cut it? After, yeah. You know, you can go right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And, and it never even dawned on me. I can barely write for myself. Yeah. I'm going to sit in a room. With a bunch of dudes yeah, trying to make jokes, like I never got much satisfaction out of jokes. Like if I wrote a regular joke, like mm-hmm. a, a structured joke, yeah. I would look at it and I'd be like, "That's pretty good. I'll do that once." <laughs> oh, wow. because, because like jokes stop if yeah. I keep, if I keep talking, it doesn't stop. So what I grew to learn as I became more uh, professional about it, and, and actually after watching, oddly watching uh, Bill Cosby himself, mm-hmm. that that like you know it's all jokes. Yeah. The whole story's jokes. The whole story's jokes. And it's like that, you're just not looking at it. You're not giving yourself enough credit. Yeah. These are all jokes. So if you can maximize those jokes separately within the story, then you're doing the work. Yeah. Yeah. That's real. And that's right. And and yeah, that's great. But you're sort of riding that line now where, you know, you, you like the character you were doing on Conan is that not that different from you, really. Yeah. Yeah. So you got traction on that. So if people come see you, you're going to be that guy. Yeah, exactly. Right? So yeah. they, it's not like, that's not the guy from the TV show. Because it was <laughs> no. all, luckily, they, it was based on your thought. Yeah, it yeah, you. yeah, exactly. Just so now, like, this, so, like the, the comedy special on Comedy Central is going to, you know, kind of solidify that. Yeah, because it's so many people. What's weird is, because of me being on Blackish and Angie Tribeca a lot of people don't even know I do stand up. I know it's weird. You it think is like the it, weirdest. Well, thing. The, the media universe is so fragmented that when people go like, "I love you on that show," you got to be like, "Wait, which one? Which yeah, like, yeah, what, yeah. what's your context of me?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, yeah. real though. It is real. It's and weird. It's I don't question weird. anymore. Some guy just came up to me in the back of the comedy store. I hadn't even gone on stage yet. Mm-hmm. Just walked by me and went, "Great job!" And I'm like, "I." <laughs> Okay, so I'll take it. <laughs> I'll take it, whatever it is, right? But yeah, a lot of people they they go like they'll 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 hit me on tw- on Instagram or Twitter, and I'd be like, "Yo, like you a stand up? You doing stand up?" Right? I'm like, yeah. Or a lot of people think that I'm just trying to do stand up. Well, that's now. the best because you. Yeah, I mean, it's like I'm what like, you do. Like, like you got yeah, that's oh, what got me on these. But shows. you got like twenty years under your belt, so these people are like, I just know you from that show. You're like, well, watch this. Yeah, and that's what that's what happened. Even with my special, when I take my my comedy yeah. special special, people were showing up, going, "Yo, I, I want to see, I want to see Charlie from Blackish, yeah. or I want to see you know DJ Tanner or the guy from Conan." They like, and they got there, and they like. Wait a minute! This dude is hilarious. Yeah. Not knowing that, yeah, for I've been real. doing this for twenty three right. years. Right, like, man, that's great. You know, it's so. almost like you were you were able to sort of like uh, it's like surprise. Yeah, because it's like I got these shows. 
Usually, I think people do these do they hour specials, yeah. and then they get right, right, these right, television right, shows right, right. and movies and stuff. Yeah. It's like I I had the bar, I got the barbershop movie, and I got these shows, and then I went to my special. Yeah, so it's a different kind of take on this, and I can't wait to see the outcome of this. You know, I just want everybody to check it out, and then you know, come out to the show, cause, right? Because you know what I'm doing now is. You know, working on a whole new hour. So when the show comes out, it's cool. And I'm close to it. I think I'm up to like 40. So then when the show comes out and it, it blows up, then you can be like, I'm going to tour with a whole different hour. Yo, that's a, yeah. That's, that's the why, plan. And that's where I am right now. Right. Like right now, I got like about 40, 45, like hot, con- I mean, material yeah. that's good. So by the time the 25th, it, I'm going to keep hitting stages until the 25th. And yeah. when the 25th hit, I should, yeah. Have you should, like yeah. A whole new, hey, I'm whole doing new that. Bit. I'm building an hour. I and know, it's, like, it's so rough, though. Ain't well, because like when he started, like when, because it used to be when you're just doing stand up and doing clubs and shit, you just show up and kind of evolve the, you, you know what I mean? It wasn't the same yes. crew. Not everybody knew you. Yeah. So you kind of just kept building the time you had. Yes. And then I, when the stakes get higher and everybody's up your ass and knows everything you're Social doing. Social media and all yeah, that and then, shit. And, but then you're sitting there, you're like, you know, I got to write a new hour. Yes. And then there's that, the next moment is like, how the fuck do I do that? Yes. And it is all so at once. hard. And people don't understand that. And they come out and they go, oh, that was great. Okay, what you got next? And yeah, it's right. like, what do you mean? What do you mean? <laughs> It took me a year to do a year to put that together. And I just I got it polished. I took it out. You know, I I, you know it was great. I shot the special, and what I got now, I got throw that shit away. And then not every hardly anybody sees your shit. Yeah, and you're playing to these nine people. You you know that's the fucked up thing is like you know you assume like everybody here has seen it. Yeah, and then like if you if I used to ask, I'm like, how many people saw the special? And if it'd be like nine people out of five hundred, be like, I'm doing that shit. Yeah, 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 man. Uh, you nine people talk to me after. I'll do a couple of new bits for you. <laughs> do a couple of new bits for you. Just hang around. <laughs> hang around. I got some new material. But I've been working on I've this. I've been stuff. working on this shit that I want y'all to see. Yeah, I, I've gotten uh, like personally, I've gotten a lot more open and a lot more friendly, and it, it's uh, it's difficult for me to be that way. Yeah, you know what? I used to be that way, like real secluded, and I used to be like I used to be angry. I, me too. I yeah. used to always be like. Like especially when I came to LA, I used to be like fuck LA and fuck LA. Yeah, yeah. See, I'm sick of these lame and these phony people and da da da. And this one comedian chick named yeah. Dominique came up to me one day and she was like, "Well, go home then, nigga." <laughs> and I was like, "What?" She was like, "Go home. I'm so tired. Every time I see you, you complaining about LA and it's always about Chicago and you complain about these lame motherfuckers. Either play the game out here or take your ass home." I don't know why that resonated with me. More than anything, resonated just, with me. Like, <laughs> I shut the fuck up after that, and I, and after that, I just like okay, I have to do what I have to do. I can't be as angry. I can't be. I have to just be nice, and I have to, I have to be in this world, and I have to. Well, just do your shit. Do your shit, and that's it. And that's what I started doing. And soon after that, that's when like I got Conan and all this other great shit started happening. Oh, and, she and saved it, your life. She saved my life in real life. She was just like, "Yo, go your ass home." <laughs> <laughs> so now, like, so the special comes out, and you you got you're recurring on Blackish. Yeah, yeah. What is that like? How many episodes you get a year? Well, it just depends. Um, yeah. You know, it depends on um, the networks and, you know, Ken, mm-hmm. Kenya Barris and Tom Hinkle. Um, Tom Hinkle is with Angie Tribeca and uh, Steve Carell and, and, and Nancy Carell. They, 
and, and that's TV a new has, show. That's right. Yeah. That, and how's that going? It's great. I haven't watched it. Yeah, it's good. I saw the man. billboard. Yeah, yeah, it's great. It's like airplane and naked gun or whatever. Really? You know? Yeah. All right. Well, I got to check that out. Yeah. And so and it's so funny because with me. Like, you know, I, I, I know about Blackish, I know about mm-hmm. Conan, but like, you know, when I'm like getting the hang of you, I'm like, I'm just going to watch the stand-up. <laughs> I know, right? That's all I need. Because that's all that you need, right? It's <laughs> all you need. But for the listeners, yes. No, 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 no. They're yes, doing yes. a lot of good shit. But you know what? I want to trivialize but it. But you know what? No, no, and I appreciate that. But but nowadays, you have to you have to kind of link the face with the name sometimes with other things that you no, do. Oh, absolutely. Because, yeah. I, like, Because no, you know, who, who knows what's watching what? Who's, who's watching, watching what? what and then you want people to come see you when you do perform you know and like like uh jj from good times yeah i didn't know his real name until i was 30 (laughs) i just was always that was jj you know what i mean but until you learned his name he's like oh okay he does comedy yeah he does that's how it started but who knew he did comedy i know i didn't so now what are you are you sort of uh are you moving out of conan you just sort of occasionally because of because of all those shows yeah. that I do, I don't have the time to be over there as much as I used to. Yeah. But anytime I have time, I go over there and we always knock out bits yeah. all the time. Yeah. Anytime I and we always stay in contact. We go back and forth and be like, "Yo, should we do this and do yeah, that?" Yeah. And, There's a lot of good comics on that. Like Lori Kilmartin's great comic. She's great. That's so fantastic. Kylie. Kylie. That's my man. Me and yeah. Kylie used to do bits all the time where I wrote stuff and he would read it for me because I couldn't read all the black shit I wrote so it'd be great if this white guy read it for me. Yeah, really white guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Kylie, We did open mics together. Kylie? In Boston. Man, oh, In like 90... I was still in college even, like yeah. right after college, like fucking late eighties, dude. Yes. I call I call him my sensei. He's my sensei and and Jose Arroyo. He's a great, great writer. I call him my sensei too. And and now is your mom still alive? Yeah, yeah. And yeah. then how's to my mom. Hey mama, shout out. How how does she uh how's she feeling about everything? She, about? Man, she's ecstatic, man. Like my mother is she don't work no more. Yeah. So shit, she <laughs> she chilling. <laughs> I got worked chilling. out. Yeah, it worked out. Yeah. Yep, getting that bucket of ice and those bologna sandwiches. It paid off. <laughs> that fucking salami she made paid it. off. She, yeah, she kept me alive. Yeah, <laughs> she, she fed me. <laughs> paid off. I'm giving her all the salami she wants right now, man. Yeah, and she's man. in Chicago still. Yeah, she's in Chicago. She's chilling. And my son Dylan, you got a son? Yeah, he's thirteen. My son, thirteen. Yeah, yeah. Where's that? Are you married? Yeah, no, no, I'm not married. Mm-mm. Just had one of them. Yeah, I had one. We, was, I mean, you know, yeah, you know the get, you know, it's <laughs> I've heard. Habit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you've heard. <laughs> I've heard stories. Of yeah, yeah, that whole baby thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but yeah, shout out to my son Dylan. Yeah, he's we, in Chicago too. Yeah, he's in Chicago too with his yeah. mom. Yep, yeah, yeah, with his mom. And you get along with her? Yeah, we good. Oh, people, good, man. Yeah, shout out to. Tamika, that's my Good. girl. Yeah, she, man, she, she hold it all down. You know, she holds it down while you know when I'm gone, and yeah, she keeps it together. But yeah. you guys are together, or you're not together? No, no, we're not together. Yeah, yeah. But we just we we good friends. You always there with the kid. You always there for the kid. Always there. We good friends. We great that's parents. Good. We there's no beef, no nothing. Does the we, kid come out? 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It comes out here a lot. Yeah. It comes out here. I go there. Yeah, we we just went to the White House. I took you did? him to the White House. Yeah. Oh yeah. What yeah. What'd you do over there? Well, we uh, Obama had the cast of Blackish come read stories, Easter Easter egg stories for no the shit. uh for the for the kids. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. It was it was great. We sat up. We went in the White House and walked around. Oh and man, pictures with Obama. Yeah. It's crazy town. That was when uh, they had to lock the White House down. There was a shooting going on that same time we was there. The guy yeah. showed up on the in, in yeah the Easter Sunday. We was there. Oh uh, really? The whole cast. And uh, you were locked down. Yeah, they locked in the down. White House. They locked the whole White House down, the whole lawn and everything. Couldn't so nobody leave or nothing. Felt pretty safe, I guess. Yeah, They're probably yeah, about the safest was, place you man, could be. Man, there was snipers everywhere, Jack. <laughs> I kept trying to keep all the all the women from freaking walking, out, walking in front of the, the, the police. I wanted them to stay focused. I was like, "Get your ass out of here with, with your mini skirt on and shit." He's got to focus on shit. Uh, and what was uh, Obama like for you? Man, he's real cool. He is, right? He's real cool, yeah. I mean, Easy you know, going dude. Man, Laid super, back. super chill, you know. He's, he's very disarming because you're like, it's the fucking president. He's like, right. what's up, man? You're like, yep, oh, we're that way? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're cool. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> I didn't know we were going to be cool. We're just going right. to talk like yeah, people. you had him at your house. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I was yeah. surprised because right away he's like, yeah, what's he making fun of me in here? And I'm like, oh, <laughs> that's how it's going to go? <laughs> All right, cool. Yeah, All right, I'm just a guy, I guess. Just a guy that is the most powerful guy in the world. But you're just hanging out, talking about us, talking yeah. about me. Yeah, okay. yeah. All right. Yeah, no, no. He he was great, man. And yeah, we all went up there, and yeah, it was great, man. Anthony Anderson and the whole cast and all of us went up there. It was great. That show's doing well. Yeah, yeah, Black is just doing really good, man. Do you have any? Are you writing on that too, or do you have any no, input on? It? I went. To, I wasn't even supposed to be on there. I went yeah. over there to write. Oh really? Yeah, he hired you and, to write. And the guy, no, I was interviewing. Oh, okay. To write, and yeah. the guy that was supposed to play the character I play didn't show up, and I ended up playing him. <laughs> that's how. That's. And let me tell you something. Anything I've ever auditioned for, I've never got. Never. It's always been off vibes that I had with people with Conan. Yeah. My Angie Tribeca with Steve Carell. Yeah. I wasn't even supposed to be on that show neither. Steve Carell wrote the part for me. He yeah. didn't even, it wasn't even a part for me. He wrote me into that show uh, with with the blackish. I just you, went, you went there to interview as a writer and, and the guy they hired that, to play the part didn't show up. Right. And I, me and Kenya Where, knew what how, happened? I have no idea. Me and Kenya had an idea of how this character should be because the character is based off of him. And he just asked me, yo, shit. He was like, man, you should do it. Like me, yeah. this, this, this lady who thought of me her name was Tamara Goins she thought of me and was like yo you should get Deanna Wright over there and then that's how it all went down and he didn't show up and I went and I played okay well I'm not going to be specific here but let this be a lesson to those who it concerns that maybe you show up on time (laughs) (laughs) maybe maybe time just maybe you might want to show up on time (laughs) <laughs> now, I'm not I'm not being specific. <laughs> you dirty dog. <laughs> you are crazy as hell. Well, there's going to be a lot more parts open. I'll tell you that much because that's something that we have a problem with. <laughs> I was lost coming here today. Well, you, you came on time. 
You're the. <laughs> oh God, that's so funny. Well, I'm, I'm real happy for you, and I'm glad we did this. It was a good time. It was a great talk, man. This is great, man. Thank you. Can people see me on on social media, whatever? Go ahead. Yeah, it's at D E O N C O L E on Instagram and Twitter and Twitter. Yeah, good. I don't fuck with the Facebook. You? I'm on there. Yeah, me too. I don't pay attention. It's like every time I get up some followers, yeah. then some new shit happen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah like, I get like 50,000 people and then they go, oh, that shit is whack. Now we over here. And I yeah. go, ah, damn. And then I go over there and I try to build up followers and then nah. they're like, oh, that's old. And yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's never ended Just to don't... the point where I'm like, I'm, I'm tired of that shit. Yeah, well, I'm, well, I'm happy you're not periscoping this right now. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't even know what the fuck Snapchat <laughs> is. <laughs> I hate that. I'm on it, but I don't like it at all. Why would you take a picture of something that's only going to be up for a little bit and then that's it? Like, if I'm going to take a picture of something, it's something that I want to keep. Yeah, know? I don't. I, you know, you, you know I, sadly, I think most of it's designed for 12 year olds. <laughs> and uh, we're just fucking all immature enough to think we got to keep up with this shit. <laughs> this is true. Everybody want pictures and shit. I tell people you got to learn how to live in the present. God yeah, damn it. yeah, A lot of people don't know how to live in the present. Yeah, but no how more. is any? How is? I want everyone to know I'm living in the present. <laughs> I, <laughs> I want everybody to me. know I'm living in the present. Yeah, look at me. I'm in the present right now, and I'm sharing it with <laughs> you. <laughs> look at me drinking coffee <laughs> in the now. <laughs> in the now. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag in the now. <laughs> Mark Marin, everybody. That's the new show. In the now. In the now. <laughs> All right, buddy. Thanks, man. Love, man. Good times, right? Funny fucking guy. Smart guy. Good stand up. Okay, and as always, go to WTFPod.com for all your WTF Pod needs. Get some posters. We made some new. Uh, well, we refilled the posters that are there. And uh, check the tour dates, check the catalog, get the Howl app so you can get the uh, the full archive, whatever you need to do. All right? Okay, I, I'm going to play my Les Paul.